0: Romans chapter 12. Now, um Gavin's got, I've got 26 um fill-in sheets. If you want a summary of the things that we've tried to cover over the last few weeks on renewing the mind, uh, this is it. So if you want one, one per family, put your hand up and Gavin will hand you one. Again, all of my notes are put online. So if you go to the church website, BibleBC.com, and then go over there where it says podcasts and messages audio down towards the bottom because i've just been doing the last several weeks you'll see each one of the messages you can watch them watch the preaching again or you can listen to it online but um renewing the christian mind this is part five we've done this now this is the fifth week in the series i actually thought it was only going to take three weeks but as I put this together, and that little outline you hold in your hand is the complete thing that God just put into five weeks now. Reading, releasing, replacing, and today we're going to talk about taking responsibility for your own thinking. Romans chapter 12, and verse 2. We've still got a few more. If you would like a, a handout, you can fill in the information. And uh, they say that If you just sit and you watch, you'll remember 10% of what you hear. But if you sit, watch, and write, you'll remember 75% of what you hear. So get your bio out and fill in some of these things. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I like that word. But he goes on. He says, "You're not transformed magically. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> your life ought to prove that God's right and that 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 He's smart. <clears throat> um, so, uh, but it all begins with a changed life that takes a changed mind." Now this morning I want to complete our study on renewing our minds because I believe a a new mind, a renewed mind, is the key to a sane, stable, restful, transformed Christian life. Far too many Christians think and they live like they're trapped by their past. They really do. They've let whatever happened to them define them. And if we all started talking about all we've been through, we'd be here for three months we, we, couldn't, we couldn't comprehend, we couldn't process it, we couldn't handle it. I mean, all we could do is just cry yeah that's all we could do. But instead of being trapped by your past, or trapped by your sins, or trapped by your hurts, and all your failures, it'd be nice to live free, amen? So even though every one of the Christians in this room, and every Christian on this planet has been given a new life, and a new mind, they still live trapped. So Paul says... Don't be conformed to what happened to you from the world and from the family, <clears throat> from the boss, <clears throat> but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now there are four steps that'll help you supernaturally renew your mind on a regular basis. There are just four things to do. Now each one's kind of comp- complex. It's not like, "Oh, if I just come to church, well, I wish it was that easy. You know, Ireland's filled with, pe- filled with people who go to church. And yet suicide rate is up, divorce rate is on the way up, uh, the anger, the wrath, the the just the everything is just going going wrong. Well, church attendance doesn't fix things, not unless you're paying attention and doing what you hear, be doers of the word. So there's some things that we can and ought to be doing, and I've been trying to focus on them. Hopefully they'll help you. Like they've helped me. This is not something that I'm speaking to you. This is speaking, I'm speaking through me to you, what God's taught me. Four steps to renewing your mind what are they number 1 i put them all four letter four words starting with the letter r first one's reading one thing now you read anything you want but there's one thing you should read what is it your bible reading one thing it is secondly releasing a lot of things we'll talk more about that in a little bit releasing say a third thing replacing whatever you let go you're going to have to replace it or else the devil will you say all right well i gave up my smoking Well, if you don't replace smoking with something good, you replace it with something else that's bad. That's what happens. You're going to have to replace with good things, with better things. And the last thing, which we're talking about today, is taking responsibility for what goes on inside your head. Now, this is the final summary. We're going to go through everything and just nail it all and just go, all right, I got I got it. I know what it needs to do. How do I renew my mind? Well, let's start with prayer. Father, uh, we just we just come before you humbly asking for help. The world doesn't ask for permission. It just wears us out. It drags us kicking and screaming down paths we didn't want to go. Our culture throws stuff at us in innuendos even. It doesn't even have to be overt. It's just, it's just in our face. Everything that just soils us, pulls us down. Our mind gets full of stress and full of bad memories and full of ourselves, full of this world. And you told us to renew our minds. So the last couple of weeks, we've been learning how to do it. Lord, this book is, is meant, this book changes us, but it changes us from the inside out. It changes us not in a magical, mystical way, but in a line by line, principle by principle, truth by truth, it changes us because we understand it, and we believe it, and we watch it work. Lord, I pray you do it again today. Lord, we go out of here going, I know what I need to do, and we do it. For the person in this room who doesn't have a new mind yet, they go to church, they carry a Bible, but You've never convinced them that they're lost. I pray you'd convince them today. They've never humbled themselves and confessed that they are a sinner. I pray they do that today. People in this room who have come so close to getting saved and then pulled back, almost, almost is the most awful word in the Bible. Because almost, but lost is still lost. So somebody needs to get saved today. and The rest of us need to get right and get busy in Jesus name amen all right so we're going to jump to step four now taking responsibility for renewing your mind go to first Corinthians chapter 13 go to the right there just one book you'll find first Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spake like a child, as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. Is that true or false? Yeah, when you're a kid, that's what you, that's what you were. But when I became uh, what's the next word? When I grew up, I kept my childish things. If you still, if you're 45 years old and you still got that teddy bear from when you were four, something wrong with you. Amen. I just keep them for sentiment. You get rid of that thing as fast as you can. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, taking responsibility means, first of all, you take this as a command. The Bible says, uh, "Be, be, uh, uh, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Is a command. It's an instruction to the Christian that you're filling there. The world can't do that. The world can't renew their mind. They don't have a new mind to renew. It's like talking to a six-year-old and says, You ready to renew your marriage vows? And the kid goes, What? I'm not married. So a person who's not born again can't renew their mind. They don't have a new mind. So the command is to the Christian. And let me help you understand what it means. What does it mean to renew your mind? To renew your mind. It means restoring and recovering all the thoughts, all the memories, all the hurts, all the failures, all the offenses, all the voices, and all the conclusions of your mind and getting them all in line with the way Jesus thought about everything. You see, there's not one thing that you've experienced that he in type and he in kind didn't also experience. You had a life of sorrow. He's a man of sorrows. You've been hit, abused, so is him. You've been abandoned, misunderstood, mocked, so is he. You see that thing? He, at the same time, when he was struck with a, with a with a backhand of a fist, did he strike back? So he had a way of looking at things. He had a way of responding. He had a way of thinking things because the heart just reacts. And you got to take all of that past, all of those memories, all of that hurt, and bring it in line with how Jesus sees it. That's how you renew your mind. Taking responsibility means two things. It means taking care of of the way of your the way you think yourself. Now, your parents probably helped you take responsibility for cleaning your room when you were a kid, amen. Your parents probably took responsibility for the kind of friends, at least they should. Take responsibility the kind of friends you hang around with. Uh, they took responsibility for whether you did your homework or not when you were a kid. Remember that? But you know, you're grown-up now. Nobody's going to take responsibility for what goes on inside your head but you. So taking responsibility means you take care of it yourself. It is not magic. It is hard work. God doesn't reach down from heaven and just make you all honky-dory on the inside. You've got to get off your, I'm going to say something. If you get upset at me, don't worry about it. Join the queue. But you need to get off your butt and start doing necessary things that you're supposed to be doing to renew your mind that that life is constantly messing up. It's part of being mature. It's part of, of acting like an adult and not like a child. You know, a child doesn't care what they say. I hate you. Remember that? They don't care if they make a mess. They don't want to do their homework. But an adult, if you're truly a mature adult, you do care whether you're hurt. your words hurt other people. Amen. That's why I know this generation is not mature. An adult cares about the mess they've made with their life, and they put their effort into fixing the mess. And They do, they do what's expected of them. That's what it means to be an adult. Boy, do we need some adults today, especially Christians. Consider some quotes I found. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our own responsibility. that was spoken by Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the wife of President Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin's daddy, Theodore Roosevelt, also was a president. He said this, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit down for a month. Amen. And he had a way of talking. You should read some of his memoirs. But Theodore Roosevelt said, the biggest problem you got is you. So take responsibility for it. President Ronald Reagan wrote these words. He said, we must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than the lawbreaker. It is time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for his actions. That ought to be a understood as a Biblical precept. You are responsible. The first forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. That was written by a woman named Anne Frank who uh, hid Jews in her house during World War II and suffered for it and went to a uh, prison camp. This guy named Leon Pierce said this, when World War II is over, people of the world will try to blame the Germans alone. And the Germans will try to blame the Nazis. And then the Nazis were trying to blame Hitler alone. They'll make him bear the sins of the whole world. But it is not true. Because we all have something to do with how things turn out. You can't just keep pushing off the blame. A guy named Frank, some of these people I don't know, but Frank Sonnenberg said this, it is your life to live, own it. You have to live with yourself for the rest of your life, so make sure it's good. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Now all of those quotes were some very smart people they figured it out that when we fail we really have no one to blame but ourselves so everyone has to take responsibility for what goes on in their lives did you know I can't save you and God can't even save you until you take responsibility for your sin you say Lord I can't live it Lord, I can't do it I can't be good enough I ask you now to save me." God can't save you until you say what must I do until you're willing to take responsibility and say I deserve hell amen and You can't live it until you decide, you know what, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Amen. So what you think, now you need to remember this. Go to Proverbs chapter 23. What you think is who you are. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. And by the way, what you think will translate into what you end up doing. That's your fill in there. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. <coughs> Now this is speaking of somebody in your at your table and uh verse 7 says for as he thinketh in his heart so is he not what he does ladies when that when that sweet talker is there and he's uh he's trying to smooth talk into a relationship with you listen the bible says what's going on in his heart is who he really is look at what it says eat and drink saith he to thee but his heart is not with thee amen only what he can get out of you, usually. Amen? So you better find out what's going on inside your heart because that's where, our, that's where we begin to live. That's where our life starts. Do you know adultery occurs first where? Right there. You start thinking about it. You start wanting it. You start coveting. You start um, lusting inside. Murder occurs first where? In the heart. And in the head, you start justifying it. You start saying, yeah, yeah, if I could just get away with it. That's where our problem is. That's why God warns us that we don't keep it clean, don't keep it working right upstairs. We're going to face God's judgment because Jeremiah chapter 6 says, uh, for their thoughts, I will bring judgment. Because the fruit of our thoughts is how we live. So fix the head and you'll fix everything else. I don't pray about renewing your mind. Just do it. You say, well, I'm praying about it. Well, let me tell you this. If you're praying, oh, God, renew my mind, then you're acting like a child who says, mom, do my homework. (laughs) Now, if you've got a good mom, she'll say, no, do it yourself. Amen. I'll help you, but you've got to put out the effort. And the truth is this. Don't sit there and pray, Lord, renew my mind when the Bible says, be he transformed by you renewing your mind. Now, when it comes to renewing your mind, God will do His part, but He will not do your part. What is God's part? God's part was Him giving you a new mind to begin with. Amen. He gave you a second chance in your life. He expects you to live it right now. Amen. Amen. He used to drink. Used to smoke. Used to, I don't, I don't even want to ask how many Christians were in pubs yesterday watching the game. I don't want to even think about how reprehensive, how, ab- how abhorrent that is, that Christians would think that it's right to go to a pub and drink as a Christian and watch the game with, the, with all their pals and with all that crowd for the buzz. There is no buzz in sin. There's pleasures of sin, but that sin only lasts for a season. In the end, it's gravel in the mouth, the Bible says. The Bible says, God gave you a new life, a second chance. Why would you go back to the old ways? Why would you do that? You're responsible for what you do with your life now. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, verse 7 says, God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what kind of a mind? And of a sound mind. He gave you a sound mind. Don't blow it. Don't throw it away. Don't let the world just make mints out of it. You know, you're going to have to finally get sick of what goes on inside of your head. And some of you won't admit it, but you can't sleep at night. I'm not talking about you can't sleep just because... You know, the older I get, man, it's just, if I hear a, if I hear a butterfly wing, I'm like, what's it? I don't understand it. You know, the older you get, the less you, uh, time you need. I know all of that stuff, but I'm talking about you can't sleep because your mind can't switch off, because your heart's stressed out, because all the grief, the guilt, and I understand all that, but let me tell you this, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to have that new mind again that you got when you got saved, so that you got a clear conscience, so that you just sleep like a baby? Only God can make that happen, man. Now your part is accepting, responsibly for renewing your mind, after all, it is your mind. <laughs> God made you responsible for what you allow in your head and what goes on inside your head, just like He made us responsible for what we do with our eyes. Here I am, and he's not here, but here I'm driving along, and there's this woman. she's along the side the road. she's walking down there, and I follow her.) <laughs> Need to wax the side of my head? Of course she should. Amen. Amen. Why? Because I'm responsible for what I'm looking at. Amen. You say, well, she didn't know it. She, didn't, she, she can figure it out. I don't have to explain. Amen. You say, you ever do that? I am not telling you. <laughs> of course I battle. Man, we live in a wicked age. That's why I got married. Amen. That's why I keep her close so she can't hit me when I do something like that. Amen. But we are responsible for what we do with our eyes. We're responsible for what we do with our hands. You go somewhere and your hand just grabs something and it in his pocket. You're responsible. Oh, I didn't know I did it. How'd that happen in my pocket? I don't know how that. Somebody put it in my pocket. You did it. Amen. You're responsible for what you do with your eyes, what you do with your hands, and you're responsible for what you do with your words. Renewing your mind, restoring your mind to what it should be like. It should be just like Jesus's. And I want to say this, God's not going to fix your mind every time you break it. God is not going to fix your mind every time you break it. Sometimes he's going to let you just face that thing and go, I broke it. I need to own it. Amen. Didn't they used to say that when you're in a shop? You break it, you own it. Remember that? So little Johnny there, and he's just going around, and he won't sit still. And Pow, pow, pow. Mama walks out with all these broken things because she had to pay for them. Used to be, Amen. And now we never make anybody pay we never make anybody own up you, if you break it you own it you break your mind maybe you got to live with it for the rest of your life life I would just like to say this when you own it and you accept the fact that hey Lord I've, I messed up I got into pornography I got into anger I got into lust I got into covetousness and it's messed up my mind and I've broken it Lord It's up to you, but if you give me back my mind, you help me renew it, I will live it differently now. That's how you start. But you got to own it. you got to say, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame my boss. I'm not going to blame the shop down the street that I just seem to keep walking into. Your part is accepting responsibility for renewing your mind. Now, I shouldn't have to go to Genesis chapter 4. I shouldn't have to go through all the things that you are responsible for, and I'm going to try to just list these things. But I thought this was a really cute scripture here. God's got a great sense of humor when he puts some things in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Cain's gotten very jealous about Abel and about God honoring Abel's sacrifice and rejecting Cain's offering. Verse 8, and Cain, he goes on a walk with Abel. And he talks with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he what? He slew him, he killed him. Verse 9, there's a paragraph marked there. In the process of time, Cain's just minding his own business, and the Lord comes up to him and says unto him, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? What's he saying? Am I responsible for him? What's he doing? Shirking responsibility. That's what we do. We say it doesn't matter what goes on inside of here as long as it do not hurt anybody. What? What if you don't settle what goes on inside of here is going to come out here. If you don't settle what goes on inside of here, the fact that he hated his brother turned into murder. You better stop it at the hatred before it turns into murder. So am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Amen. Am I responsible? You know, we're responsible for our actions. Matthew chapter 18 says, if we offend a little child, it'd been better not to be born. Amen. I'm not talking about modern offense where I say something that upsets you. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Oh, I need a safe place. (laughs) I feel so offended. Grow up. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about where somebody actually does something sinful and offends you and scars you. I'm not talking about where your emotions are upset The Bible says you do have responsibility for how you act. Amen. That's why we're supposed to show respect and love toward one another even when we don't des- even when they don't deserve it. We're supposed to re- we are responsible for our attitudes. You know in numbers chapter 20, Moses goes up and and God says, "All right, we're back around. We've gone around the wilderness. We're 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 back at this huge rock here, and the people are without water, so Moses Last time you were here, you struck it, and what happened? Moses says, water came out. Water out of the rock. It was it was a miracle. The Lord says, now I want you only to speak to it. So Moses looks out at that crowd, and he says, these people, they don't deserve God's goodness. All they do is push. All they do is complain. And he gets up there, and he takes it all personally, and he says, you're he says, must I get water from you? And he swings that staff of his, and he strikes that rock, and nothing happens. You oh, imagine how humbling that is. Because he thought, oh, man, I'm going to show him the power I have. Nothing happened. So he held back, and he said, maybe I need to hit it harder. And in anger, he swung out, and he hit that rock, and water comes gushing out. And he says, there. And as he walks off, the Lord says, Moses, Moses, boy, you blew it. You don't get to go into the promised land. Moses stopped dead in his tracks. and The Lord said, you didn't honor me. That rock is the type of somebody, Moses, that's going to come and he will be smitten once. He will be struck and eternal life. The river of life will flow from him. And ever since that day, all you have to do is speak to him, and he gives eternal life. You don't have to kill him again and again. We're talking about the Messiah. And Moses broke the picture that Jesus was created of the coming Messiah. And, Mo- and God said to Moses, you will not get into the promised land. Doesn't mean he's not saved. Doesn't mean, as a matter of fact, one day Jesus, in, um, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and who appears in the promised land with Jesus? Moses and Elijah, he gets in, don't worry. But physically at that time, he has to die outside of the perfect will of God. Why? Because he's responsible for his attitude. He let people push him to where he got angry. And God says, sorry, you blew it. Does that scare anybody? Uh, you know what else you're responsible for? Your words. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, Every idle word shall we give. Account of. What's an idle word? It's a word we say without even thinking. It just flies off our lips. It's just something we just say. I just say it. That's why I don't even say, shoot. That's why I don't even say, "Uh, uh, gosh darn. That's why I don't even say some of these, oh, you ever heard that? Uh, 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 Some of these swaying words. You know why? Because I don't like saying things that match the original curse word. Amen. Because I, I I don't have to answer, what were you saying that for? Oh, Lord, because I'm a Christian, I didn't want to sound like I was lost, but you are similar, you're saying flippant words without thinking. I want to be, I want my words to be wholesome and edifying and encouraging, not tearing down. So our words we're responsible for. Our bills and our debts. You know what the Bible says? Romans 13 says, owe no man anything except to love them. So you get yourself in debt and everybody, hey, Say, you should never get in debt. Slap yourself 15 times. Sometimes you're going to have to get in debt. You're going to buy a house? Go right ahead if you can save up cash. Praise God. But if you ever get into debt, what's your first responsibility? Get out. You have a responsibility to get out of debt. Do not pass it on to the rest of us. I just can't pay my debt. So the rest of us have to pay your debt. Pay your bills and your debts. The most responsible Christian in this room is the one who, when they get a bill, they pay it. See, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's very spiritual. Our promises, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, it'd be better not to ever make a promise than to make it and then break it. Keep your promises. You're responsible for your thoughts and your way of thinking. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down, what's that word? Whose imagination can I cast down? Only mine. <laughs> I can't cast down Dan's, I can't cast down Sean's. I have to cast down my imagination and every high thing that exalted itself inside me against the knowledge of God, what I know to be true and bring into captivity every one of my thoughts To the obedience of Christ. That's my responsibility. I am responsible for what what I think, the movies I review, the images I bring up, I'm responsible. Amen. One of these days the Lord's gonna you ever seen the Matrix and all these stupid stuff. They plug that stuff in there? You know, the Lord's gonna plug something in your brain and gonna let it all be seen. And you're gonna wanna run and hide. Now, how do you take responsibility? Believe that you can be in charge. That's the first thing. You need to believe that you can be in charge of your thoughts, your feelings, your conclusions, and your memories. God put you in charge of what you think, what you say, and he expects you to do it right. Go to Philippians chapter 4. To the right, a few books. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm told the right things. You know, if God had to tell us all the wrong things to think, he'd be there all year long. So instead of trying to tell us, don't think about that, don't think about it, he says, let me tell you what you should think about, and then focus on that. And you, can, you need to believe that you can be in charge of what goes on inside your head. No Christian is a slave to their way of thinking, or else God would never have spent any time trying to reason with us. Listen to uh, Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together. God thinks that I can think. Wow, I ought to think right. Secondly, guard your mind. Don't fill with all the garbage that the world is throwing at you. I think today, listen, my, my parents were sinners, still are. <laughs> my grandparents were sinners. My great-grandparents were sinners. Let me tell you, the kind of stuff that is coming into my eye gate, you ever heard it called that? That's an entrance way. the eyes are an entranceway into my head and my heart, amen? The things that are coming in my eyes, the things that are coming in my ears, just by touch, things that are coming in to me, I need to guard them. I need to limit them. You say, what are you talking about? What you watch on TV, what you read, and the music you listen to needs to be looked at and go. I'm not listening to that anymore. You know, I was about, I think I was 14 years old. And we, heard, we learned about backward masking. So we bought all these records and playing them backwards. Three o'clock in the morning. We listen to heavy metal rock and get scared out of our wits because we turn the lights off and we just listen to this stuff. This is screaming at us and everything. I'm not gonna let myself ever do that again, amen? I'd be stupid. Guard your mind. When you finally start believing that what you're constantly watching is having an effect on you, but finally, say I better stop this. Constantly listen. Listen. There are people who listen to the politicians. They listen to their best pals. They they listen to talk show hosts, and they listen to the sweet talk of their boy or their girlfriend. Let me tell you this: you listen to all the wrong crowd. Only recently have entire societies been unable to not do what everyone else is doing. Do you hear what I said? It's just in this current last 30, 40 years, I watch teenagers not be able to not, I'm I'm using double negatives, I'm sorry. I watch them, they cannot say, I'm not going to read Harry Potter. They can't say it. I can't believe that. Did you know my kids never read Harry Potter? I never read Harry Potter. I don't want to. I put a limit on it. (gasps) Did you know I watched one episode of The Simpsons? Wouldn't watch it ever again. You say, You're so restrictive. Yeah. I put a guard on my eyes. Amen. I don't want to be stupid. Amen. You say, well oh, that's so restrictive. No, it's it's smart, guys. It is where you start to say, you know, I have let so much rubbish in my mind, I don't know how to look at a girl right. Amen. I've got so much stuff in my head, I don't know how to think about a job right. I think a job is about me. You know what? It's not about you. Your job is to pay bills. Your job is to make you a man. What you are. Well, I'm just not excited about this job. Who cares? Amen. Are you getting me? Guard your mind. If all you do is you watch your politicians, they're going to tell you, we need basic income. We need income given to everybody whether they work or not. That is a lie from hell. If you believe that you deserve income without work, you're doomed. Amen. You need to guard your mind and say, look, Lord, I want to learn what what the right way to look at money, the right way to look at work, the right way to look at women, the right way to look at life. Lord, help me to guard my mind so I don't just believe every stupid fool out there who tells me there's a better way. Guard your mind. It's all too often, I thought of this this morning, it's all too common for Christians to constantly be trying to recover after their sin. Instead of deciding to stay clear of sin. That's pretty important. I read a book years ago, it was called, It's Better to Build Boys Than to Mend Men. Amen. You put some things in there and say, I will not do that. I don't care. Who else do it? I won't. I'm not going to go to every movie that shows up because it's everybody's popular. I'm not going to read every book. I'm not going to listen to every song. Can you not ever say no? As a Christian, you ought to be able to. Amen. Guard your mind. Because one of these days, you're going to stand at an altar. You're going to be making a commitment to Mrs. Wright. Didn't know her name was always. And Mr. Wright over there. And you're going to be looking and you're going, Lord, I have, I've got so much baggage I brought in this relationship and you're going to regret it. Guard your mind. Third, grow up. Grow up in your thinking. We read it there. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Do you know, when you were a child, you were obviously immature. You didn't know what was real. You didn't know what was fake. So everything was just forming inside of you. All of your opinions, all your views. You thought like everyone around you. You believed everyone, everything that people told you. You know, my dad told me, don't swallow watermelon seeds. Watermelon in your belly. I tell you what, for the next two years, all I did was (laughs) get rid of those seeds, man. When I was a kid, I heard this. Step on a crack and you'll break your mother's back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You ever hear this? The moon is made out of cheese. (laughs) How about this one? Santa's coming. When you're a child, you believe everything everybody told you. Remember that? Well, now you're a bit down the road, and it's time to take charge of what you think. Amen. You're responsible for how you view things. You are responsible for your opinions. Obviously, I hope you don't believe everything that people tell you anymore. Because you know that what you believe matters. What you think will become how you act unless you wrestle it under control. One day you'll have to answer to God. So from now on, use your head, not just your heart. I'm following, I'm following my heart over the cliff. Use your head. No more blaming. Start saying, I made a mistake. I did wrong. What I said was wrong. What I did was wrong. I'm sorry. That's being an adult. Grow up. And... That's how a lot of people live. They can't grow up. They're afraid to grow up. They don't want to take responsibility for growing up. And they get busy doing what God says. I thought of four things that'll help you. Go to Colossians. If you're in Philippians. Go to the right. Find Colossians chapter three, verse five. There's some necessary things that will that you need to take responsibility for. To renew your mind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. First word, what is it? Mortify. You hear the word, you ever hear anybody says, I'm mortified? That means basically, I feel like I've died. Mortify what's wrong in your thinking. He says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. He's talking about you physically how you live, and he goes on, stuff in the head, he goes, what are the list? He says, fornication, mortify it, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Those things are serious things. Fornication is the word for pornography. It is the word for sex outside of marriage. It is the word for homosexuality, and it is the word for incest. Amen. That stuff ever goes wrong inside of your head and it's happening. If you watch any television, if you watch any movie you go and you get, say, i got this safe movie. you better be ready in the next 10 years. All you're going to be watching is, is guys and guys, girls and girls. It is a wicked day we live in. And if you start counting as that stuff inside your head, you need to go, i got to mortify that thing. I've got to bury it. I've got to put it in the morgue, lock it away. It's dead to me now. Uncleanness. Those are filthy thoughts. Those are filthy pictures. Those are filthy acts and filthy desires. They're called uncleanness. You need to mortify them. You need to. Inordinate affection—that means excessive affection. You ever met anybody who is in love with their car? Oh my God! How about their cat? I mean, they get your own dinner. I'm feeding Fluffy. It's called inordinate affection, having wrong love. Evil concupiscence is lust the unlawful desire of sexual pleasure. Covetousness is when you desperately want something you don't have, and God calls it adultery. Mortify that. Secondly, break down every stronghold. Believe me, a lot of that stuff's not going to move. You're going to have to pull and push and and rock it until it comes crumbling down, and then dump it. You have lustful thoughts, gentlemen? Bible says no man is tempted by God. Every one of us are tempted of our own Lust. You battle in temptation, you battle in lust, break it down. Ladies, you start with envy, look at those shoes he's got. Cow wouldn't wear those. <laughs> Ladies, you better watch what you think about. You look at your life and you're frustrated with all the injustices, all the past abuses of, and hurts of your life, all the disappointments. If all that's going wrong in your head, you need to grab them, and you need to throw them out, man. You say, they don't belong in there anymore. Why would you let those things take control of your life? Why? Why, 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 why? Break down every stronghold. It is not easy. Uh, I've, um, I've broken down probably three buildings in my life, on purpose, okay, not accidentally. <laughs> and in each one of them, I was given a huge, one of these sledgehammers. One of them, I was handling, handling a Kango drill hammer there. Uh, another one I was handed, uh, this was, was just an old shed. Uh, uh, it was a house that was a, sh- it was a shed of a, of a place. But anyway, I was handed hammer. It took an immense of effort. I don't care if it's block or wood. To take something apart, you're going to have to work at it. And whatever set-up shop inside your head, you're going to have to really work at it. You say, I'm struggling. Amen. Praise God. Let me shake your hand. Because that's what it takes to break down the strongholds. Third, clean house. Ephesians 5. Go back a few pages. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 26. Well, start in verse 25. 25 is good enough. Again, who's responsible for the spiritual well-being in the home? Mama, right? Because she's so religious. No, not according to your Bible. Husbands? Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse his bride with the washing of water by the word. You know what a husband's responsible to do? Keep his wife and her mind and her emotions pure. Amen. That means you're going to have to, sometimes you say things or past comes up and stuff, you need to wash it with the word. You need to cleanse it. You've got stuff... You need to make it so what goes on inside of here is a place that Jesus actually wants to occupy. Sanctify it. Make, it. make it special. Make it holy. Make it clean. You can do that. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do you do that? Claim the blood of Christ. Some filthy picture comes up. I imagine a lake. I do. You can, you can think whatever you want. But I take that thing and I bury it in that lake of blood. I put the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. So if a picture comes up, I put it under the blood. It comes up again. I go, how'd you get back there again? And I put it back under the blood. A hurt comes up and I start thinking of Eric and what he said to me and how it hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I bring it up. Instead of punching him, I, I take that thing and I I drown it. I can't drown it in water. I can't drown it in in uh, sin I can't drown it in I have to drown it in the blood of Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that can purge my conscience claim the power of the blood of Christ over your thinking I got another thought for you if you're going to clean house you need to do this you need to make yourself do it what does that mean? that means there's sometimes you don't gentlemen we don't like to clean up amen now some of you may be unusual but we make a mess you know what I do? I'll get. I'll make a sandwich. Anybody else like this? And I got out the mayonnaise. I got the cheese. I got the salami. I got the pickles. I got the uh, the radishes and the lettuce and the tomato and the um, um and the cucumbers and the. Uh, I'm telling you what, man. I lay it all out there and I make a sandwich and I sit down and my wife comes in. And she says, "No, she doesn't say that. <laughs> she does not say that." But anyway, she looks at it and says, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm eating the sandwich." Oh, is it good? Hunter? She says, you left a mess. I'm not sure if I want another one yet. (laughs) You know what my excuse is? I'm more interested in the sandwich than cleaning up. Amen? I I don't want to be bothered with it. In goes the stuff in the sink. Three days later, I guess I need to clean it up. Make yourself, make yourself read your Bible. Amen? Make yourself, I don't feel like going to church. Make yourself go to church. I don't feel like being a witness. Make yourself hand out a gospel track. Amen. That's how you clean things up, is you clean it up on purpose. You make yourself. You, and I, and I, you know what I'm here for? I'm here to remind you to do that. I'm here to remind you. How many are, don't raise your hand? How many of you are reading your Bible every day? Think about it. I'm here to remind you to do that every day. How many are going to be here tonight? I'm here to remind you. Be back Sunday night. How many are going to be here on Wednesday night? I'm here to remind you. Get back on Wednesday night. One. I went through this thing. That was step four. Let's review. Step one. Step one is read your Bible. This book, the book that you hold in your hand, needs to be in your life. And you do it by saturating yourself with the Word of God. You then fashion your mind with the Word of God. You let it tell you how to think. And then you arm yourself with the same mind that Christ had. And if I could just live there, if I could just have his thoughts, well, they're all right here. Let this mind, which also was in Christ Jesus, be in you. Second thing, you need to release those that hurt you. I spent a whole Sunday on number one. I spent a whole Sunday on step two, which is release those that hurt you. And that meant three things. One, forgive them can't forgive them yes you can as christ forgave you you can forgive them by forgiving them then forbear justice which means lead them to god lead them to the authorities somebody may have done a crime against you report them to authorities but as far as you're concerned you've forgiven them and then forget it you can't forget it yes you can yes you can by the grace of god i can do all things through christ Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I think our future is a whole lot better than our past. Amen? Some of you ought to come unglued at that. Forgetting those things which are past. Allow yourself to forget those things. Just let them go. Now, I thought of this. I saw a little diagram like this. And I thought, I need to recreate that. There's Joe. Joe has got some past hurts. He's got unattainable justice to to repair those hurts. He's got constant anger about those hurts. And he has, he's living with the sin of unforgiveness. And what he's found himself is in prison. He has found himself, the person who hurt him, or the people who hurt him are going around free. They don't even know it. They don't even care. And he's living in the prison of all of that stuff in his life. Joe gets saved. Carries all that stuff in his Christianity. keeps it. Stays angry at his dad. Stays angry at his boss. Stays angry at his wife. Stays angry at, his hu- at her husband stays angry at his kids and so on at his parents, and then he gets saved. So the Lord gives him some keys. And he's stuck in there. He doesn't realize the first step he can do is to forgive the offense. And we went through this. Whatever whatever somebody did to you, you can forgive them. Because if Christ can forgive you of every trespass, you can forgive them of their one. Forgive the offense. Secondly, forgive the hurt. You know, there's emotion with forgiveness. You can't just say, Lily, I forgive you. I'm never talking to you again. Can't do that. If I forgive the offense, I've also got to forgive the hurt that they gave I'm pointing to Lily here. Lily can't hurt a butterfly. But forgive the hurt. Hurt me? It's over. Third, forgive the cost. You know, all of a sudden, you're going to realize how much it's going to cost you to go on with life and not hold them responsible. <laughs> I have to forgive them the debt that they owe me. And I need to repent of my sinful unforgiveness, my sinful reactions, the way I've treated them, the way I've talked about them, the way I've talked to them, the way I've just carried on as a devil himself. I need to repent of that. You know what happens when you do that? You make a be lie out of there and you're free. You are free. You say, well, what about justice? You need to leave justice to the authorities. Amen. That's why God gave us authorities. That's why God gave us courts and police and and parents. God gave you people who will take care of it. You can't. You can't. So we looked at step one, read your Bible. Step two, release those that hurt you. And last week I talked about replace all the rubbish that used to fill your head with better things. Like I say, I think we got a lot of better things, don't you? Hmm. What does that mean? That means, number one, identify that there is rubbish in your head. It'll be the greatest day of your life when you go, I am stupid. I have let my mind be so, so filled with sewage. Amen. Smartest thing you'll ever do is to realize how stupid you've been. Identify all the rubbish in your mind. Secondly, decide to tear it down. If you're gonna replace it, you've got to make room for the good things, amen. I tell I told teens when I used to teach the teens every year I taught, I love teaching on the mind. I could do that for, for a year. Uh every year I would teach for several weeks the teens on the mind, and I always picked up a, a toilet paper roll. right, mundane item. And I had all of this, this uh um uh tissue that was kind of looked kind of dangerous, but it was just dirt. And I start shoving it in there, and I says, that's your brain. All the rubbish coming in there, it's wet and it's gooey and all this stuff. You know what? You start taking clean tissue and start putting inside that toilet paper roll, and the other stuff starts falling out. After a while, what's left is a lot of good stuff. You know, the longer you listen to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the longer you listen to good things, the longer you hang around with good people, wise people, the longer you hang in the Bible, that old stuff just seems to fall out. You can't even remember it. Tear it down. Push it out. You know, God. When I was a kid, I took a, my dad took a family picture. Now, in those days, there were huge lamps connected to the camera. How many you remember the camera where dad had to sit there, and and there was no timer on it, and he'd take the picture, and there was this blinding flash. Okay, but he only had so much film. He had one more picture, and I was kind of not cooperating. I was about six years old. But I was determined. I wanted my rock in the picture. And I loved my rock so much that I wrapped it up with masking tape and just, I just had this precious rock I wrapped up for protection. Anyway, so I'm sitting there like this. My dad says, get your hands up, put your hands in your lap, put your hands up. Craig, we're going to take the picture. And he said, what you I put my hand up and I had a picture of a, I had a rock in my hand about the size of a, of, you know, a road bowl, bowling ball. And I had that thing and I put it up and I went, and my dad's last picture, and so to this day, on the wall, <laughs> at my dad's house, this is a picture of all four of his kids, and me going, Ooh. actually, my picture was like this. Ooh, I pulled it off. I was so proud of my rock. Well, I had a long discussion after that. My dad was so mad. He said, what do you got in your pocket? I don't know if I reached in there, and I had all kinds of rocks in there, and I had a worm in one other side. I had had a frog in there earlier. I had all these things, and he says, dump it all out. And then my dad gave me a dollar. He said, Put that in there. You know, the Lord looks at our life and we got all these treasures we're holding on to. The Lord says, Let it go, and I got better things. Well, you just gotta believe it. It'll probably be the hardest thing you've ever done to let go of the things that you've treasured in this life. But I know it works. I know it works. You have to read and read and read your Bible. You're going to have to saturate yourself into it. You're going to have to release all the people and situations that have you in the past, that have hurt you in the past. And then you'll finally be able to have some new furniture move in. Amen. New way of thinking, new way of viewing life. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. To the right, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll finish this up. I didn't even think it would be possible to finish this series. I started on, I went, Lord, how are we going to do this? We're at the end. Philippians chapter three, uh, sorry, chapter 4, verse 13. Would you say it with me out loud? We there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, I, I, I find it hard reading the Bible. Why don't you pray about it? Say, Lord, help me read the Bible. You wrote it for me. Why would I do any less than read it? Lord, I can't forgive. Why don't you pray? Say, Lord, help me forgive. I want a new mind. I don't want to be the prisoner Of all the past hurts, I want to be free. Teach me how to let go of some things. Teach me how to let go of everything. And then teach me, Lord, help me replace it. Help me replace it. Lord, help me so that I'm the most zealous Christian in this group. I want to outdo everybody else. I want to sing louder. I want to serve more. I want to give more. I want to soul win more. Lord, help me to, to like I used to live for the devil. I now want to live for you. Swap it out. If you're born again, you already have a new mind. Did you know that? You're already there. But it needs to be regularly renewed, just like your car does. You need it maintained, you need oil, you need petrol. Your mind needs to be renewed. Restore it to its right way of thinking and feeling and loving. A renewed mind is the key to a stable, godly, fulfilled, transformed life. I believe that. I hope you do, too. Too many people think it just comes naturally. No, only weeds come naturally. (laughs) A renewed mind takes hard work. How to renew your mind? I already said it. Take responsibility for what you think about. You need to take responsibility for filling your mind with the mind of Christ by reading that book of books right there. By next year, I'd like to know that everyone in this room decided they were going to read their Bible through this coming year. Say, well, I already read my Bible through. Do it again. You never, you never have saturated your life yet. Read your Bible. Take responsibility. You take. Well, they won't come to me. They won't even say they're sorry. It's not their job to forgive. It's your job to forgive. Amen. Now, they ought to come and say, I'm sorry. Wouldn't that be nice? But if you want to stay in prison to them, go right ahead. But if you want to be free, forgive them. Every past, every future offense. Third, take responsibility, replacing all the broken pieces of your mind and heart with the grace and goodness of God that he's constantly showering. I mean, after last night's rain, look at today. I many of you got up this morning and saw the sunrise. Absolutely breathtaking. Who gave that to us? God. You know, he constantly gives us, and we can't even see it because all we're doing is we're wrapped up in our past and our hurts. And your thinking is going to change from being conformed by the world to being transformed by the word. That's what Romans 12, 2 says. Can you say it with me? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you saved? Are you born again? Do you even realize how important all this is? You say, man, we talked about the brain. I didn't think Christians thought. <laughs> Every time I went to church, I just put my brain on side and just went in and then, and, then, and then went out. No, 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 no. That book's all about reasoning and about right. I'm not, there's no blind faith there. I believe in the resurrection of the Son of God. But there's some things you should be terrified of having to face. If you're, if you're 16 years old, you've done enough sin to put you away for eternity. The wrath of God is going to come on every offense, every sin, and every breaking of the laws of God. You ought to be terrified of facing him. I wish I could hang you over hell for just five seconds and say, is that where you want to go? You say, I don't want to go there. I don't deserve there. You better take it up with the boss because he'd like to save you from it. It ought to terrify you just like, you know what? Harvey Weinstein and all these Hollywood stars and producers are terrified of somebody else coming out of the Closets and telling on them. Amen. About time that hellhole called Hollywood got exposed. And every one of them ought to be terrified of the way they lived. Because all they've done is shown their vision of fun and their vision of life in everybody's face. And it's time for them to face up to it and go, you know, I did wrong. Amen, amen, amen. Now, you think that's terrifying for the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. It's going to happen to you when you stand before God. And I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm no better than any one of them. I may not do the same kind of sin. I may not get caught up in the same kind of stuff. But I'm just as vile. I'm just as wicked. And I needed just as much salvation as they do. If you don't have a new mind or a right mind, you can get it today. You know what you have to believe? The gospel. That Jesus talked all your sins on himself and gave you his righteousness as a gift. Would you like it? He's waiting for you to ask. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you just in awe that you would reach down and give us everything that pertains to life. And even give us a new mind. We've so messed it up in our past, but we don't have to stay that way. We've allowed the world to so fashion the way we see things, the way we even think about you. allowed the pressures of the world to so stress us out we can't even sleep so today lord there's a bunch of us are crying out saying lord we want to be transformed so we start with the mind we start with this book we start with forgiveness we start with replacing all of that rubbish with some good things we're not afraid to replace all our old music collection we're not afraid We're dumping all our old friends. We're not afraid of changing our schedule, putting you first. We're not ashamed of all the good things that you've got for us. We are ashamed of everything we believed and we followed before. So here we are, Lord. We're not praying for you to renew our mind. We're praying that we would have the courage and we would have the dependency upon you so that we can renew our mind. And then we can do it regularly. But this would be something that just as a passing fad that two weeks from now, people will be back watching the same old filth on TV. People will be still talking the same way they always have. Well, oh, don't let that be. Make every person in this room decide, you know, I'm sick and tired of my old life still being around. Haunting me, carrying me, ruining me. I'm tired of my old mind. Help me renew my mind, my way of life so there's no more anger, no more bitterness, no more lust, no more frustration, no more suicidal thoughts, no more quitting. Just help me be like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.